0: What's going on everybody? It's Patrick Ding here with the Parallax and today I have a special guest, one of the founders, CEO of Valhalla. How you doing Alex? I'm
1: good. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, man, thanks for coming on. So, Val right now from my Twitter feed and everything, it's a pretty hot project. A lot of people are, you know, asking me for a you know, a referral code to get a whitelist <laughs> and everything like that, which is like interesting, right? Even influencers are asking me. They're like, "Hey, you got a code?" Um, yeah. And I'm like, "Wow, that's that's really interesting." So, it's great <clears> to have you on because there's a lot of things I want to ask you about your project and how You're like doing esports and like all this stuff, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so for people who may not be super familiar with Val quite yet, if you were to give them like a quick, you know, like one two sentence view of like what you're about, like what is Val?
1: Yeah, of course, uh, it's a good question. Well, um, so first of all, thank, thanks for having me on here. I've watched your content, really really high production stuff. So it's just really thankful to be here. Um, so to hop right into it, Val Bahala is a PFP project that is dedicated towards gamers. I think the reason why we decided to start this was I think when we were looking at the NFT space, when you think about like the evolution of the PFP space, if you will, you had kind of like CryptoPunks that came out. Right. And they basically um, came out and it was kind of this evolution of this new technology and people were like, holy crap, this is super cool. You know, people were using it. And then it was just kind of started to see NFTs evolve a little bit. You started seeing a little bit more verticalization. You got like, you know, not everybody wanted to be a pixel, you know, pixel, pixel image, if you will, right? So you had cool cats, you had doodles, you had Azuki, so on and so forth. And so for us, basically, it was like, you know, we, we saw the space fragmenting out a little bit more. And for me, I wanted to kind of, you know, I was, I was really, really big in the Azuki community and I saw an opportunity to kind of build another community uh, in the gaming space that, that was very, very authentically catering towards gamers. And so I think from a really high level, that's kind of what um, we're working on.
0: Got you. Okay. So it's like NFT project, similar vibe or I mean, you're, you're really big on the Izuki community, but like for gamers, right? Because there's not many, I don't even think there are any like gaming specific PFPs, right?
1: Yeah, there's no, there, no gaming specific PFPs. I think like the reason for this is that there's this like large misconception that gamers um, don't like NFTs, but that's not true. Right. Like there's actually a lot of people in the crypto in the, in the community that just like playing games. Right? Like I play Valorant every day. So um, and yeah, and for us, it's really kind of catering towards, I think, that demographic so
0: got you okay so now before we get into more of like Val, right a lot of people are interested in like who you are as a person because like Mm. who the founder is and everything like that is probably like one of the most important part of a success of a startup especially yeah of course like for you alex how'd you even get into crypto like were you always into crypto like from way back or is this something like you recently got into
1: yeah so two parts to that question one when did i get into crypto and the second part is like my general background as an entrepreneur so in terms of getting into crypto well i've been on and off in crypto i think my first introduction to it was in 2013 or something and it was actually introduced yeah no it's crazy i i was building my mobile gaming company at this time and there was a one of our engineers was this like really quirky guy. He wanted to be paid in gold. It's just a really interesting guy. And then he was like, yo, I'm, I'm mining this thing called Dogecoin. You guys want to join me? And I was like, I'm generally like, you know, I'm generally like a pretty like adventurous. I'm always the first adopter of things. And so I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, actually, I actually posted a picture of it on my on my Twitter recently. We built a bunch of these like mining rigs yeah. and we were just like mining. I saw that yeah, we were mining yeah. Dogecoin and Litecoin and we were converting it, exchanging it on an exchange called Cryptsy uh, to, to Bitcoin. Okay. Um, which eventually got rugged actually. So I lost a lot of my Bitcoin there. The guy like flew off to <laughs> some country, I don't know where, but you know, um, yeah, know. And so that was kind of my early sure. experience and it's always been on and off, you know, in 2017, mm-hmm. obviously all the altcoins and stuff like that. Lost a lot of money there. I have a, I have a pattern of yeah. losing money with crypto <laughs> and then obviously yeah, it's just losing money. It's losing just money. Losing <laughs> money. Right. Yeah. And then you kind of get into um, you know, NFTs now. So that, you know, always been around. This is the first time that I think that I've really planted a flag in in web3 in the crypto space and decided to build a company i and like i can kind of like talk about my background also if, if that makes sense because yeah so for myself i've been an entrepreneur now like a tech entrepreneur for about 12 years um when i was 19 um this is probably in 2011 yeah yeah um yeah i got into a, a tech incubator called uh, Y combinator and it was for a mobile gaming company
0: okay, how, how'd you get into y combinator like i'm familiar with what that is right but like you're like 19. How do you get into Y Combinator at 19?
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. That was a common question that some people were asking online. Uh, it was a function of two things. One was um, before that, I was working on my own business. It was online, uh, it was like a mobile marketing ad network. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, and completely bootstrapped. And you know, it's just a classic like Silicon Valley story where it was like me and my roommate in college, we're just trying to make money because our parents didn't give us any money. I had like 30 bucks in my bank account. So I was always doing like random online things and, you know, would be sleeping under my like desk, that type of stuff. And I think we were doing like 50 to 100K a month in revenue. And it was like really, really exciting. We're like, whoa, like the internet's so crazy. Like mobile's so crazy. Yeah, and then um in 2013, 2013, yeah 12 around that time mobile apps and mobile games were getting huge right cuz the iphone had just you know come out a few years before and everything was exploding so i think when we applied to yc i think they're like dude these kids have kind of figured out something with mobile marketing i think maybe we should give them a shot right so it wasn't some like you know my credentials weren't that great but i think i'd shown some initiative in terms of like going out there and getting it so um yeah, we were admitted, and I think it was pretty life-changing for me.
0: Wow, okay. So you got into YC, and then you started another company? Or is it that you build on top of the one you're already doing?
1: Yeah, no, so, um, we, so we're a mobile advertising network. But when we got into YC, um, pivoted a little bit into mobile gaming, um, and so if people know what free to play mobile games are, you know, like Candy Crush, Clash of Clans, stuff like that. So that was kind of what I worked on first. I was 19. I didn't I actually still have my original uh, Y Combinator pitch. It was at the computer science, like history museum. So it was like really funny. Cause I look back at it and I'm like, wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't know how to raise money back then. And you know, the markets were very different. I think I, YC back then only gave you 20 K. Mm-hmm. Um, today, I think they give you 500 K. Yeah. Um. So, which is T- totally crazy yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. totally different. Yeah. So we basically ran this mobile gaming company for five, years we built two top 100 ghosting games mm-hmm. and then he get, ended up getting acquired by a company in china called uh, r2 games okay wow. so that was kind of like my first yc experience wow. i'd say and, okay. uh, that's when i was 20 i ended my journey at 24 25 there yeah
0: got you and then okay and then what did you do after that like you start another company or okay like then I started C- another company.
1: Okay. yeah no it's like it's like the bug i think and it was really funny is because the reason why i started a company was because i was trying to transfer to an ivy league school and i was trying to build my credentials and then, so when I got out to YC, my parents were like, okay, well, I guess someone gave you some money, so give it a try. And then when you're done, go back to school. But then, so after we kind of exited the first company, I was like, okay.
0: Wait, well, you didn't, you never finished school? I wait then.
1: to go back to school.
0: Oh, so you just like took a pause No, from I school. didn't, I dropped out when I was 19. Oh, so you just yeah, went full-time? Because
1: I, 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 I remember, yeah, I went full-time because we basically, were going to, we yeah we raised like a little bit of money and I remember I was like, all right, cool. Got the experience going back to school and then like the investor's like, what? you can't use our money part-time. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, I didn't, I mean, there's no legal obligation, but your reputation in the Silicon Valley is everything. Actually, in all of life, it's everything. So I think I was just like, you know, I'll continue to build this business. And, and, you know, obviously by the time we had built a company for so long, going back to school is kind of like a, what are you exactly doing it for? Um, But yeah. And um, so, yeah, what I do after got the bug. Um, I think a motive of mine is I want to build a very, very large company. Um, I'm very achievement motivated, not so much money motivated. Um, so I wanted to build like something as big as Amazon, right? So, so went back through Y Combinator again, 2016, mm-hmm. 2016, yeah. um, building this like mobile shopping app for beauty products, actually. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And that one grew really, really quickly. I, I can explain everything about that, but that one grew quite quickly. You know, we scaled the company. to about, you know, 30 million in annual revenues within two years. Okay. We raised over you know, 50 million in capital, Yeah. like from Goldman Sachs, um, just like Everybody, every pretty firm much. you could possibly think of. Because mm-hmm. I think like, I think at that point, like people... I have been in the Silicon Valley for five, six years and people are like, this guy works pretty hard. Mm, right. And, yeah. and I think that he's going to give his earnest effort. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, ended up doing that company for two, three years, mm-hmm. um, ended up getting acquired, yeah. uh, not a great outcome for myself, but you know, investors got their money back. Um, you know, we sold our assets to, uh, you know, a big beauty company called Morphe cosmetics. Yeah. And yeah, this is, and then that brings me to this company. That's like 10 years of my life. And, um, this, Company is now like, you know, also raised venture capital, but it's really about building something that I want to work on for the rest of my life.
0: Okay. And you would say this company is Val, right? Just to be clear for our audience.
1: Yeah. This company, yeah. This, this company is, sorry about that. This company is Val. I mean, I can describe the whole like Stack Studios um, parent structure a little bit later.
0: So before we get there, one thing I'm curious to know is like, after you, let's say sold the first company and maybe after the second deal, which you say wasn't the, the best outcome for you, did you, do you already feel like you like made it in some sense? Like, you know what I mean? Or do you feel like you're just like beginning or, you know, like maybe it's not about money. Maybe it's more achievement.
1: Uh, I definitely feel like I'm just beginning. I think like, again, like I think my, my dream, I know it's a really irrational dream Mm -hmm. and there's some childhood trauma maybe or something. (laughs) I don't know what I can point to. I think like maybe, maybe I think this comes from an immigrant family. I think my, my dream has always been to like take a company public. And when people ask me why that's the case, I think it's, it's a little bit just like whatever I choose to do, I want to be the best at it. And The IPO, well, I know now we're crypto companies, so it's a little bit different, but the whole idea of an IPO, like initial public offering is like, you kind of have entered the hall of fame of business founders. It's like, hey, you matter enough that you got big enough that people actually want to acquire your stock, right? Like ringing the bell. Yeah. And so um, when you think about like, kind of when you ask me like, oh, like, have you made it? It's not yet. I think like, I still have this like dream of like ringing the bell, seeing my parents there, super happy um and building a product that millions and millions of people really like using so
0: wow okay so it's really not it's really not about the money it's really just like you just set these like milestones you're like okay this is the thing i'm gonna go for right do you think that ever ends though like let's say you did get there you're like okay i went public what's next you know do you ever think about that
1: yeah yeah i i do right like you know i I guess the older you get i know i'm not that old like we're the same age and i don't feel that old i guess but i think like the older i get the more you know you more the more you realize like it's really just all about yourself like getting comfortable with yourself understanding your motivations and everything like that i think i think like for me it's like i used to always like want to climb higher because i wanted to understand if i could do what other people were doing i never thought that i was better than anyone else but i would always be like wow that person has accomplished so much i kind of want to try and i would like move a little bit get there and be like wow like that actually wasn't that bad let me try a little bit further right so I think I just love self improvement. I love constantly doing more. So that's really what drives me. It's like really loving that process. And I think the second thing is that, like, even if I achieve that goal of what you said, I think I'm always going to be making stuff. Like, when I can't imagine myself being someone that's like, all right, I hit, I don't know what retirement age is, like 65. Yeah. I'm going to go sit on a beach and drink pina coladas and margaritas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think I would go like, I would just get so anxious. Yeah, right? it's like what am I doing? So, <laughs> is this life? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no,
0: I, I feel in the same way as well. But no, I totally understand that. So you sold the second company. Now you're moving on to the third company, which is actually stacked, right? Not necessarily Val quite yet, right? So like, you know, a lot of people don't know what stacked is, right? Because it's more of like the like back end kind of thing. So like, like what is stacked, and what were you trying to do there? And then we could talk about how that turned into Val.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, like, I look, like after my, my last company, Hush, I, I had incredible burnout. I think. I was working so hard. My team and I were working so hard. You know, the investors were giving me pressure. You have to remember, like I was 27 at the time with the board, right? Like I don't like who, you don't learn that in school. Yeah, no, and just operating under like the gun, basically, for so long. I think I was pretty burnt out. I had not taken a vacation in you know seven, eight years. And um, I was really like trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah, no, so like and you're kind of asking me, I was like, oh man, like. Should I continue being an entrepreneur building? Should I become a venture capitalist and just invest in other founders? At that point, I'd already personally invested my own capital into 30 companies or so. Or should I just work at a big company? Like, Should I go take a director of a product position at you know, some company and just chill? I mean, everyone like makes fun of it in Silicon Valley. So I was like, it sounds kind of dope. Maybe I should do that. Um, and I, I think a group of investors were like, and my mom especially, she was just like, Alex, like you were so close. She's like, you learned so much through your career. Like managing a board, like you you can't even buy that education. Are you really going to tell me you're going to stop now? Like my mom doesn't care if I like make money. She just wants me to be happy. But she was just like, if, if you could find it in yourself to try again, just find something you're passionate about and do it again. So that was one. The second thing was there's a group of investors and they're like, Hey, we don't really care what you do. We mm-hmm. just want to back you. Right. And so I was like, well, I, I don't have the best idea. I really, I only want to work on something I'm really passionate about. And like, I guess when you're a more experienced founder, you think about all the things the ways that thing can go wrong. So you start like, you know, you know, <laughs> optimizing. So basically how stack studios kind of came about was investors were basically like, Hey, look, Alex, we know, we want you to build different consumer products and build a great team and just find different ideas that you think good businesses can come from and then just, just go for it. Right. And so that's kind of how the company w- w- was founded.
0: Yeah. Cool question. So like why specifically consumer products? Was it just that because you already experienced in that and they're like, this guy can like kill it in anything or?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's because I built consumer products. I've taken two companies from nothing to product market fit, mm-hmm. right? To tens of millions of dollars in annual revenue or scaled teams. Yeah. And consumer is brutal. Yeah. Like, that's that's why I hear like, yeah. you know, I mean, You must have yeah. us yeah it's brutal it's like you know at least in b2b SaaS, right you're selling contracts and at least like you just you have to you have to satisfy this one customer in front of you yeah. and you can get like you know thousand multiple thousands of dollars a contract with customers <laughs> especially social apps and all that type of stuff it's like they don't like you they don't pay you and they yell at you yeah. right and so it's like it's like you're really going through the gauntlet yeah um, so basically like they're like hey like you're one of the most tenured consumer entrepreneurs that we know. Please mm. go again, right?
0: Okay, got you. Okay, so consumer products and then, so so Stacked, like, where where the idea come from? Oh, what was the idea initially, actually?
1: Uh, stacked, um, yeah, so several ideas. So I think um, prior to starting Stacked, I was doing a, I don't think many people know this, but um, I spent about four months as the manager, or, like, I was helping out as the manager of a, a Twitch streaming house called Offline TV, and so... Yeah, working with them, I was just like really getting to understand their business, right? Because like they basically um, approached me and their idea was like, hey, look, like we have offline TV, this entity, Um, we're really trying to figure out how to turn this into a big business, right? Potentially like phase, but with our own brand, right? Can you kind of help us with this, right? And so I love gaming. Like the best time I've ever had in my life was when I was building mobile games. Um, I still play games every single day. The idea of streaming, um, which is like related to gaming was very exciting to me. And so I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, free of charge. I would love to kind of come in, understand the business, understand streaming, and kind of go from there. And so when, you know, so what was Stack's idea? So I eventually left because I realized, like, I don't really want to be in the talent management business. It's just, um, it's difficult. It's a different, specific set of skills. It's very different different than, like, scaling, you know, products and everything like that. Um, And so, you know, but I, I was kind of addicted to this idea of, like, streaming. I thought that was very excited. And when I was kind of studying, like, the data and the trends, I started realizing that, more and more of the gaming community was actually migrating onto mobile. Like if you think about, I mean, you're literally in Vietnam right now, right? Like most people play games on their mobile phone, right? Um, especially in emerging markets, right? Like Latin America, India, so on and so forth. And when I think about building a business, I really think about building for where the, you know, where the, the world is headed in five to 10 years. And what I believed was that, like, Hey, look, if we actually built a streaming platform that started on the phone first, um, you know, we could actually capture and help enable the next generation of content creators and streamers, right? So that's actually our first idea was like a streaming platform, you know, for like, you know, emerging markets and international markets.
0: Got you. So like streaming platform for a mobile market. So it would just be like, you can access, like you watch a streamer on your phone?
1: Yeah. Or, or if you're a streamer, you could literally stream like, um, with your phone. like if you're a streamer and you're playing on your phone, you can literally show on your phone. Oh, yeah. And I see, the really cool stuff was that like the, the whole thing is like technology should make anything easier and easier, okay. right? If you think about what it takes to stream right now. You need like a, a ton a of Camera, yeah, yeah. You need a ton two of setup. Two monitors crazy, and right? this and
0: that. But if yep. you think
1: about mm-hmm. two monitors, you got to look at chat. And you, it, the the big challenge that we were thinking about was like, okay, how do I enable like the the 15 year old boy or girl who loves playing like Free Fire yeah. and wants to start streaming for the first time? How can I make it a one click experience? yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's possible, right? If you think about it, because like think about how they got the innovation that Snapchat has done with like AR filters, right? Like skin filters, making you look good that can emulate like lighting from a camera and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So, so that was kind of like the North star Mm. that we really, um, we're trying to build.
0: Mm. Right. Got you. Yeah. That's quite interesting. Okay. So, so now that was what you were trying to build. And then, so what ended up happening or is it, are you still building it or like, what's the, what's the deal?
1: No, (laughs) no. So yeah. So what ended up happening was, um, no, we are, we are still building it. So we built, we built it and then we launched it. Um, it really took off very, very quickly in, um, Latin America. Right. So I think within one month of launch, I think we got over half a million installs, right on, on, uh, and people streaming on our platform. And that was like really, really exciting. So this is probably back in last November. And that was when, um, we really caught the eye of, uh, Pantera, uh, their, uh, top, uh, crypto VC fund. And the idea basically was they're like, hold on, they're like, you know, play to earn games like Axie Infinity and everything, it's popping off, right? And we believe the future of gaming, I mean, I, obviously things have crashed now, but I think the thesis is still the same. All these kind of players are actually all coming from international markets, right? Like Axie Infinity is based in, um, or SkyMaven, they're based in Vietnam, right? And a lot of their players were in the Philippines, and they're like, wait, like, there's a complete overlap between the audience that you are looking for. And the games are being created today. Like why haven't you guys considered a move into web three and, and servicing, you know, play to earn games. And let me tell you, like as, as a game developer, this is actually incredibly, as a former game developer, this is incredibly exciting because when I was developing games for five years, I spent probably 80% of my time marketing the game and trying to get users 80% of our money. We spent millions of dollars a month marketing the game to, and we gave that money to Facebook. Right. And so for these crypto funds, they basically were like, wait, like if you guys are aggregating all these gamers because they're watching and streaming on your platform, that's super valuable. Any gaming company would love to kind of stream on your platform. Right. They would love to have their stream, you know, your streamers, you know, broadcast Axie Infinity and stuff like that. Exactly. Right. Cause you just literally funnel users into them where you can sell them users, like market to them. So to them, that was kind of a very, very powerful flywheel that we were uniquely positioned to really take. And we're also kind of one of the most experienced teams out there in crypto right now. Right. So, um, that was kind of our move into to Web3.
0: Okay, I got you. Wait, at that time, how how are you the most, one of the most experienced uh, crypto teams there? Because w- weren't you doing like Web2 stuff?
1: Yeah, so, so we're in Web2. If you think about from an investor's perspective, the most important thing, especially in early stage investing, is betting on the right team. And for them, they basically saw a very, very strong overlap uh, between our demographics and people who are doing play to earn. And so, yeah, you're right. Um, we actually were a Web2 team a really strong web two team. And they're like, Hey, if you actually move into web three, you move this platform into web three, then you will definitively be one of the top teams kind of building consumer products. Right. And that's kind of what ended up happening. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, there's that saying like strategically, it's like, it's like, if you took like, if you look at all the NBA players, obviously you have like the standouts that are like Michael Jordan, LeBron, right. But like, and you have the other pack of like NBA players, I'll say like, I'm not Michael Jordan or LeBron. That's like, you know, that's crazy stuff. But, like, I mean, like, the pack of other people that are still, like, professional and competitive... Right. And so the whole idea was like, if you take those people and you just move them to a less competitive sport, <laughs> they will dominate.
0: Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah that's so for our investor, they basically true. like,
1: Hey, look, like you, know, you guys have discipline, you have experience in managing capital and building products, Yeah. you know, let's like take you out of this highly competitive environment, place you kind of in an environment that we think you will thrive. Yeah. Yeah. And we've, we've seen the impact of that. a little Got
0: bit. you. Got you. So it's not like you're the most experienced web three team. It's more like you're one of the most experienced. Like, no, no, no. Sorry. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Like, like just fundamentally operators, yeah, operators in Web3. moving into web three. Which yeah. is still a big advantage, I would it's say. Web3. Yeah, because Web3 is still like, it, it is, you know, it is, yeah. still developing. A lot of people aren't the most professional, stuff like that, right?
1: No, yeah. So sorry, we're, we're definitely not the most experienced Web3. Like, we're not like giga expert smart contract developers. But what, what I can bet you is that like that our engineering team, they're incredibly talented. They're very humble people and, and they can certainly learn over time. And that's kind of why like when you look at everything we do for Valhalla or Val, it's like we never like just copy someone. Because like I think fundamentally, it's not because we're trying to be like hip or anything like that. It's because the space is so new and we're always just like, does this make sense? Yeah. Usually it doesn't, right? Like, does this actually (laughs) make sense? It usually doesn't. No, exactly. Like I was a game game developer, right? I designed, we built these MMOs and so I'm used to game design economy and I'd always just be like, you know, in in an economy, very basically you have money that comes in and you need sinks where money goes out, Right. And I was like, all these economies, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense.
0: You can't spend your money
1: anyway. (laughs) I don't get it, you know? And so, but like, it, it's, it's crazy because like I think humans have this like, it's like when there's like market euphoria and everyone's making money, everyone's calling you stupid or a boomer or whatever. You you get this like suspension of like logic where you're all of a sudden you're just like, maybe I am stupid. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. Right.
0: Until everything it's crashes bad. and you're like, ah, I was right.
1: <laughs> I knew I was right, but I still, still bought those JPEGs. I <laughs> never sold. Yeah. I've never sold. Yeah. i mentioned a bunch of Azuki's. I haven't sold a single one, but I, I yeah, I'm a, I'm a long-term, yeah, um, long term. Yeah, uh, long term, long term vision. Soft.
0: That's what people want to see. Okay. <laughs> long term, yeah. long term
1: to zero. So. <laughs> hey that's a
0: zero. It's, it's it's going. Okay. So, anyways, moving moving back yeah. to Val. Not a key, but I
1: mean, as yeah, as yeah, yeah, other stuff, other yeah.
0: stuff. So, stacked. Uh, you're moving into the Web three side, right? You're getting some traction with the um, the streaming platform for mobile, but then like, where did the idea for like a PFP come in, right? Because like, I can imagine you would just go into the technology kind of side and be like, you know, the Twitch for like mobile or whatever. Right. So where, where does, you know, how did you come up with the idea or why does it, why does it make sense? Yeah,
1: no, totally. Totally. I I think for us, um, my intro to NFTs was, um, really from the Azuki core team. I know like most of them are still on docs, but I, I had known them for quite some time and I really followed their journey, um, in learning about like PFPs, um, across everything they've done in the past. And to me, it just never really made sense, right? I'm like a very traditional, even though I'm a tech entrepreneur, I'm very traditional where I'm like, I'm much about fundamentals. Like, what is this? What's the scrappage value of this type of stuff? What is it backed by, right? Like, and so I think what was interesting was, you know, Azuki was the first PFP. I actually really spent my my own money kind of minting. And I I think when I saw kind of their growth, I thought it was incredible. Um, and I thought it was such an interesting business model, the secondary sales, just understanding like that entire business and trying to figure out how that was going to play out in the future. So it was really interesting. And, and I think when I looked at it from like a 10,000 point view, what the interesting thing that was happening was everyone in NFTs, especially all the blue chips would talk about their roadmap. And I was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. And they'd always be like, oh, we're, we're building the metaverse. We're building the metaverse. And I'm like, as a game developer, I'm like, okay. Like you, you're going to build a game for five years. Like, okay, I'm mean, sure. <laughs> MMO RPG. <Fine>. Okay. <laughs> right? We're like, MMORPG? Sure, sure. If that's what you think the metaverse is. And yeah. you know, Fortnite took, like Epic has been in development for 30 years, like their engines or whatever, Um, but okay, fine. And then everyone was promising this far off future. And then they're, be, they're able to get sales of like tens of millions of dollars, maybe a hundred million dollars. And for me, the fascination was two things. Again, as a consumer entrepreneur over the last 12 years, I've spent my whole life begging customers to give me feedback, right? I'm like, Hey, you want a gift card? Give me feedback on why my game sucks. And I'll give you a $25 gift card. Right. And when I was monitoring the Azuki community, it was constantly like, yeah, I'm an owner. This is what you guys should do build an anime, make a song, sign artists. And I was like, wow, these people are like super passionate. Right. So that was like one very interesting thing to me. The second thing obviously was like the market potential. And so I was actually talking to to Z about this at that time. I was like, Hey, look, man, I was like, I really want a community as passionate as Zuki for our platform. Right. It's about the time, you know, we're going to issue a token. Right. And, he was like, oh, like, I don't, you know, because he has he has like a background in DeFi, right? And he was like, oh, like I don't know if people will get emotionally attached to your platform because of a like a fungible token. And he was like, the reason why people are passionate about Azuki or the PFP is because it's an identity based thing. And to me, I was like, oh, like that's super super interesting. Like you're right. Like I was super attached to my Azuki PFP. I still am. And I was like, wait, but like you know, the interesting thing I think like, is that we've already built this, you know, really really complex streaming platform we've built our version of the metaverse right it's not easy like now that i'm in NFTs, it's very difficult it's a very different skill set to kind of build this type of stuff but why don't i actually just build that you know pfp right and you know and, it, and like build that initial base of incredibly excited i think um you know community members does it kind of make sense because like for us if we're gonna launch a streaming platform i need to market it anyways i still need to reach gamers right so like why wouldn't i just do it through a PFP, right? I can get, you know, six to 8,000 unique holders um, that could really champion everything that we're doing, get really, really excited about the team. And for us, we can, you know, grant them all these crazy benefits, right, on our platform kind of in the future, right? So that's kind of like why we initially got into it.
0: Got you. No, that definitely makes sense because like, even, even for me, like I never really got into the alternative coins because there was no like like mm-hmm. I would buy like litecoin for example and I'd be like well I'll just sell it whenever i sell mm-hmm. it or who cares right but then when you have like certain yeah exactly yeah when you have certain nfts you're like oh well I really like this one so I'm not really sure if I should sell it and <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I totally
1: get it I like I'm still looking at all my pfps yeah. and I'm just like I love them so much yeah you, <laughs> you just know? can't so...
0: and then and for some you just be <laughs> yeah. like you know what it doesn't even matter if the company goes out of business I'm just gonna hold it right like sometimes it's like that
1: yeah cool. it's a, yeah. yeah I, I mean I still feel like I should sell a few yeah. of mine because like I don't, I don't even like some of them, but, like, I'm just, like, man, I've held them since Mint. I'm OG. Like, y'all are real believers. I'm a believer. Yeah, so, but then yeah. when
0: when it, when it comes to, like, tokens, yeah. is like, nobody even knows if you sell it or not and like it doesn't matter right yeah but then but then mm-hmm. people will like check your open seat like hey patrick still has this and that da, da, da. definitely yeah i, I agree with exactly, you. exactly i agree with you where it's like um a pfp kind of is like it's your, your core community that believes in your, your product or service or whatever you provide right even even for the the parallax like we have nft as well right and then we're a youtube channel mm-hmm. we're a media company but then we have like this pfp this anime mm-hmm. looking pfp because i realized back then which is like in like February was PFPs just, there's so much more emotional attachment and it means a lot more.
1: Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We're on the same page. No, that's why I knew you got it. Like when you issued one for your, you know, your, you're trying to go like a a network, right? Basically a media network. Like I understood it. I was like, that totally makes sense. Right. People who want to follow this journey that they think it makes sense and you can deliver value to them. Yeah. I, I completely get it. Like, I think in the future, all companies are going to issue NFTs, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be the most popular. It's going to be the new, like, company swag, where just like, <laughs> hey, you know, here you go. Represent us, right? So, yeah. the free
0: marketing. <laughs> no, but, you know. Yeah, free marketing. Yeah. Represent yeah. us. Yeah. Oh, in a way, it is. Yeah, that's true, right? Because when people change their profile picture on Twitter and they represent the brand, it says something about the brand. Like, like mm-hmm. someone has to go out their way to say, hey, this is who I'm going to represent myself in the metaverse. And that means a lot, actually.
1: Yeah. I do. dude. Yeah, it it totally, it totally does. Like imagine like for our platform, right? It's like, imagine if some of the top streamers are using the Valhalla NFT as their PFP, like usually you have to pay like tens of thousands of dollars for anything like that. And they're choosing to represent like, like Yasuo right now, right? Like he's a really, really big, you know, League of Legends streamer. He uses an Azuki PFP as his profile picture. Right. And it's like, dude, that's, that's, I mean, they're not really gaming, but like that's massive, right? And for us, it's like, like, could you imagine, like, I could not imagine a time in my career where I'm just marketing, but somehow it's like, they're doing it for free. Like, it's just, you know, so honestly, what it is, is like, it's crazy because it's for the first time ever, it aligns like the platform, you know, developers and the actual users like together we're all incentive aligned looking at the same direction whereas previously it's like you know creators are fighting youtube or game developers are fighting their players right now it's like no we're both looking in the same direction
0: yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah. And, and both sides benefit right like the company that benefits because it's like exactly. exposure right and the person who rocks it benefits because you know it's kind of cool to have an azuki and people are like oh you have one like let's connect or whatever right
1: yeah no totally absolutely yeah
0: so now moving into Val, right um so right now you're kind of doing the, um, this whole interview process, which is quite interesting to me, right? For the Parallax, we also had an interview process as well, and I, I understand how effective it is. Maybe start from the beginning. Like, what, why did you even decide to do an interview process versus, let's say, like, whitelist giveaway and just, like, give it to all the influencers, right? Because it's a different approach. I can definitely see that.
1: This is the, the Web2 uh, boomer in me talking. But um, this is, like, this is the most tried and trued um, Web2 consumer playbook ever. If you guys think about like clubhouse for example you don't know if you know the audio social networking app i was like one of the first i think one to 200 users on it because it was like a silicon valley based thing they wanted entrepreneurs to be on there they wanted like vcs to be on there and i remember going on the platform really early on and every time i spoke like there'd be like 10 vcs in the audience and like my linkedin would just blow up it's like oh this vc has looked at your profile everyone in the network was incredibly high value and so I was like, whoa, this community is amazing. Like, I really, really want to be here. But how they did that was because it was invite only, right? And then when you got invited by someone, it would say on their profile who invited them. So like, it wasn't like a monetary thing. It was just like, it was almost like social guilt where it was like, wait, did you seriously just invite someone bad to this community and ruin it, right? Like, And so there was like, this like self-reinforcing thing where it was like, everyone was really, really good, right? And that's kind of how it went. And so like, obviously, the as, as the network grew bigger and bigger, like the quality started to erode a little bit more. It started just being people like, shilling you random things but in the really early beginning that was like super important it was invite only second thing also is um like soho house you know i've been a member for a few years but i was locked out for so long same process right invite only right there's even more intense right there's like you gotta get three letters of recommendation and like you know write all these essays and then finally you can get in, right and so kind of a curate kind of the thing and so and the last thing i'll say is like in building companies building a cohesive company culture is exactly the same thing When we grow our company and we look for more employees and we want to grow, the number one way to grow is through referrals. It's asking the people in your team, hey, like, who do you think would be a great fit here? Because the reality is great people... Right. Or like like-minded people tend to hang out with like-minded people. You know, that's kind of actually the, the best way to grow. So that's kind of why we had the whole gated, like, not only do we have an application, we also gated it by like in invite code only.
0: Got you. So, so in the beginning were the first people you invited, just like your friends in the Web3 community, like in, in the Zuki community, maybe your personal friends, like, was it like that?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And. It was one, uh, Sammy, uh, she's our, our our community manager. She's just a ball of energy and she has like a bajillion friends, right? I don't think we could have done, done this without her, but, you know, she obviously had a good network of friends and, um, you know, I had to kind of like convince them to kind of like go through this idea because it's so antithetical to like crypto, right? Especially in a bear market. Everyone's like, no, we got to do collabs and grow as fast as possible. And I'm out here going like, no, not only were we going to do application, but... <laughs> you can't even apply unless you get a code, right? So this a very scary thing. Um, but yeah, we seeded it with like, yeah, a lot of hoops, um, but we seeded it with like people that we thought were you know incredibly high quality and really kind and nice people that we've also met in real life, NFT, NYC, so on and so forth. And we just let it go from there. And I, I told the team like the really crazy part about doing this is it allows us to just focus on building the best product and community possible because every single time we drop a new announcement, People will be like, "Oh my god, this is so dope!" Like, how do I get an invite code? And like that, like virality will continue to grow every single time, right? So
0: yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, like because I actually recently got the invite and then I applied and I got it, fortunately, right? And um, you interesting. Yeah, yeah. was no, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you know? no, we don't like <laughs> you, Patrick. Yeah, uh, you never know. Yeah, but um, yeah. So so then there's like. This, like, Greg the gatekeeper, right? Who this, like, Twitter account you guys made, and then yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. guessing it's like a fictional character. That, like, <laughs> is it, yeah, is it, uh, a I, uh, yeah. Is, is it somebody I don't know? Um, but uh, every time somebody gets, uh, gets in, they're like posting this thing, oh, congratulations, you got in, right? And literally every day I see this, you know, every single day I see this on my feed, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, and then when I applied. Yeah and I was waiting a few days. I'm like, like wait a minute, I, I know them. How, what's taking what? so long? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, hey, get Patrick what in. <laughs> what's going on? You know?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, exactly, so it works. Yeah.
0: It definitely does work. Um, and then like for Greg, the gatekeeper, like, can you explain that concept or like, what were you thinking when you, when you came up with that? You know, I'm, I'm just curious.
1: A few things, right? From a product design, like a product management perspective, it's really about virality, right? It's like getting things to kind of grow virally, referral. When we didn't have Greg, the gatekeeper, The virality didn't actually spread because there was no way for someone who just got accepted to share that, like, hey, look, I got accepted into um, Valhalla, where there's no way for them to do that. There's no graphic, so on and so forth. So we were really thinking about a way of like, hey, how can we give users a really easy way to do that, right? Because at the end of the day, like, if you make it hard for someone to do something, they're never going to do it. Right. Like, for example, I can make you connect to Twitter on our website and then, you know, connect to the Twitter SDK and pre-populate something for you. But it's like, no, the customer is going to be like, oh, or the community member is going to be like, oh, I don't really want to connect. and They won't do it. But if we upload it for you, it's one touch. It's like, boop, retweet. I'm good to go. So that was one thing. The second thing was also really creating new IP, right? It was like, oh, how do we like create this narrative around like a new character that people can get really, really excited about? Because we noticed like, you know, in in Web3, people really like that. So that's kind of what we did. And the third thing, obviously, the gatekeeper. I don't know. I think I was just, like, having fun. Like, I was just, like, having a beer, talking to Sammy. I actually, like, dropped out of college, so it's really weird. I actually didn't get into the best school I wanted, so I faced rejection my whole life. (laughs) You know? So I was, like, you know, I basically took the Harvard acceptance letter, and I just, like, you know, whipped up in Figma really quick. And I was just, like, boop. And then the gatekeeper was, like, I don't know. It was, like, we were playing. I was, like, I'm, I'm the one kind of working on all the traits, and I was just, like, trying to figure out, like, can I make a random character here? And I was, like, slapped it on there. and that was it. Yeah, and it was, um, and why we come out with Greg, and why Cincinnati? Like, we don't know, like, it was just like- it's just like a story, mm, okay. Like yeah. Might be funny. Gotcha, exactly. gotcha, yeah.
0: okay. So as this invite process is going on, do you plan to have like the entire community be invited in, and that's basically your, your audience? Is that the, the plan, like all the way through, you know?
1: We're not sure, I think like, something that I'm moderating pretty closely is density of network of specific communities. So obviously, for example, A lot of Azuki people are in our community right now. We're really trying to figure out how to reach other communities for kind of more diversity, I would say. Because, like, if you just leave it alone and all these Azuki people spread amongst each other, then, like, that's that's the only community and it's mirrored and you don't really want that. Yeah. So you really don't want that. And so, you know, for us, we're doing uh, several initiatives to branch off into other communities that we think we would vibe well with. Like, I love the Clonex community. I've gone to like two, three meetups um, and just, I don't have a Clonex myself personally. I do want one, but I just really like everyone's vibe there. I would love to kind of like have some of them in our community, um, but you know I want to see if we can kind of take off in some other communities. That I think we mesh well with. If we can't, we, we definitely will open it up a little bit. I, I you know I really would hate to not be able you know some for some person who's really interested in you in, know in our in our in our project. I would really hate that they couldn't apply. Right. Um, so I do think eventually we will open it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's, I, it's um, a process. It's a process. It's a process. And we're always constantly monitoring and we're always willing to change, always willing to take feedback. So um, yeah, it's, it's a process. And I I, I don't know how the fe- what the future really holds regarding that.
0: Got you. Okay, cool, cool. That, that does make sense. Um, okay, one, a question I have that I'm interested to know is like you guys recently had a tweet where you said you're partnering up with Sentinels, right, which is the uh, eSports team. If people aren't familiar, they have a Valorant team that's uh, quite popular. But it's not really clear to me like what kind of partnership is it? You know what I mean? Like it's like you're partnering, yeah, but then is it like you're putting your logo there? Are they, you buying the team or like, you know, what's mm. going on, you know? And I think people are
1: <laughs> Can't buy the team. Uh, maybe eventually, I mean, maybe they buy us, who knows? Yeah. Um, no, it's a great question. Yeah, we, we dove into it a little bit in the enterprise spaces today and, you know, I, I have to write another tweet thread about it. Jeez, so many tweet threads. But um, yeah, so the, the sponsorship Simply put is, you know, we've licensed um, their brand and their IP and they will appear uh, and we're going to design customized traits for them that will appear in the PFP. So that's not really the exciting part. That's just like the enabler. So the reason why, you know, we're continuously signing more and more um, web to partnerships is largely because it's about, and I don't know, Moonbirds tried to kind of promise this a little bit, but in gaming, we have a term called live ops right what that means is like it's a live operation meaning we continuously deliver value to the community and our customers and for the trait basically what that means is when we kind of partner with sentinels we can develop and code like really really interesting benefits that relate to the sentinels brand and their ecosystem over time right so what i mean by that is like let's say like this is a really crude example and it's probably not going to be as simple as this but like let's say you get the sentinels trait in your pfp you could literally redeem like a sentinel's jersey that's like a really like rudimentary lame example right because that's just that's just getting something right but i'll give you an example like another something we're talking about with another esports team is like they own a really really large minecraft server and all their content creators are inside right and the whole idea is like wait what if you know for the holders that have this specific esports team's trait you know they can actually access um these minecraft servers and hang out with all the content creators there right And so this is really exciting, obviously, because, or let's say a GTA server, right? Because let's say you're a really, really big fan of, you know, that specific uh, esports team. You can now hang out with all of their famous content creators, right? And like hang out with them in the GTA world, right? And you can think about like, what's the value that a big fan of that team would pay for that? So that trait would basically inherently kind of appreciate, right? So the reason why I call it LiveOps is because it's living, right? Like the innovation doesn't stop, I think, at Mint. It actually, that's when it just starts. That's when we really start working with the development teams and building really, really interesting things over time. So those are kind of two small examples, um, but that's kind of the start of kind of our of our relationship with Sentinels.
0: Quick question on that. So let's say you implement these traits with Sentinels and other esports team, right? So when, it, when did this make this like, you would have to stack all these partnerships pretty heavy in the beginning, because once you have the trait on the PFP, you can't really change it. So then you would need all the partnerships like up front. Is that like one of the challenges?
1: It's funny that you say that because we're definitely doing a ton of innovation on the minting mechanic and the customization mechanic that I can't speak too much to right now.
0: It will be more dynamic in the future, maybe? That way. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I, I can't allude <laughs> to too much. Okay. I, I don't know.
1: Okay. Like, I didn't say anything. I, yeah. I, I hear you. I, I hear you. Yeah. I
0: hear you. Don't worry. Okay. I totally get yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't have to dive in that direction because I get it. Um, but yeah, so In generally Mm -hmm. you want to partner with people and Mm -hmm. have future benefits where over time becomes more valuable hopefully over time right that's ultimately the goal. yeah yeah and then
1: yeah
0: okay so actually another question i have is like let's say somebody mints the nft they got the pfp it looks great right so there are some i guess like i I don't know if you call it niche but like you know some traits that you know you gotta do some sentinel stuff which is amazing right but then for like let's say the regular person who has like a regular pfp doesn't have any special traits on it like for them like what are they what are they getting because they always want to know right
1: yeah yeah for sure um it's a good question so and this is actually the biggest question i think that occurs across uh, any nft project has to earn right so the nft space right now traditionally has operated where they only make money off of speculation and secondaries right that's really how it goes no pfp project especially the blue chips no one has really it's the only way they made money yeah. by selling yeah, there's, more J-pens there's no like
0: recurring products. revenue or what it is. like that yeah.
1: yeah there's there's no recurring revenue and so it's this really interesting challenge where you know legally you know literally you know we've engaged with fenwick to the same people who who kind of work with four um legally we can't you know any nft project they can't promise you revenue off of a specific product because that would make it a security Right. So the challenge is like, and then don't get me wrong. Like then we kind of sit here and we think like, okay, how do you kind of drive up the floor price of the value of an asset without promising future revenues from the business? Well, these people don't even have businesses, but like, you know, if you were to create a business, so for us, yeah. So, so this, and this all ties back to the original streaming platform. I think, you know, for example, if you just hold a Valhalla NFT and, and you connect to our streaming platform you have a PFP. The benefits too, that you might actually get are one, you know, we have our own concept of digital land. It's literally the homepage, right? When you log onto Twitch or YouTube, you have carousels of videos that appear, right? If you hold the NFT, right, we can literally give you a main page feature. So the question really to think about is like, you know, why does this increase floor price? Well, if we are actually the scale of YouTube and we're not claiming to have that, but like one day, if we are the scale of YouTube, how much would someone pay to be on the homepage, right? a ton of money, quite a lot, right? And this is really interesting because one, we're not promising, um, you know, the Valhalla holders, some future revenue stream, but there's implied value of having something that puts you on the home page. right? So that's one, right? That's kind of what caused an increase. So for example, like, let's say I'm a really big streamer or, uh, uh, you know, and I really, or let's say I'm like just someone who's really rich, I'm a company and I wanna buy main page uh, feature on this really big streaming website or this video website, I might buy one of the NFTs and that can kind of give it real inherent backing by a real product. The second thing is, let's say you're a content creator, right? And on Twitch right now, you're giving 50% of your revenue away to Twitch, right? Let's say you're, I don't know, Joe Schmo streamer and you're making $5 million a year. We, as a platform, if you hold the NFT, might be able to give you a discount on your rake, right? So instead of taking 50%, maybe we only take, you know, 40%, right? And that becomes incredibly meaningful, right? Because, it's like, oh, now I hold one of the founding, you know, Bahala NFTs. Again, at the end of the day, it's a battle pass, right? It's a a thing that enables certain benefits. And like, if you're making that much money, there's some cost calculus, right? And some implied value that kind of comes back to the NFT itself. So that's kind of our answer, which is basically like, hey, look, like our promise to our community members is that like, we're a very well-funded team. We're very experienced. We have a product that we've built already that we're going to continue to execute on, right? And a lot of that value is continuously going to um, flow back to the um, original kind of collection, right? Because at the end of the day, that's our core community. Those are the people who championed us originally, right? That's kind of how that value flows. Makes gotcha. that makes sense?
0: Yeah, that does, that does make sense. You know, if we look at the um, past history of NFTs and other projects that came before Valhalla, right? Uh, without mentioning any names, it's like one of the challenges I feel people have is, let's say they sell a PFP and it like looks cool and everything like that. And then a lot of people might be like, oh my God, this is like the next IP brand. And then there'll be maybe a technology product behind it. And people don't really understand that because that's, it's quite a new concept to use a PFP and sell a PFP and then build tech. Do you feel like that there's like a, there's like a gap between expectations of what people are looking for? Like people are looking for like the next Suzuki. Right. But you know, sometimes they're like, oh, wait a minute, you're building the, you know, the stream platform. Like, is do you ever like run into that challenge?
1: Yeah, no, totally all the time, all the time. That's kind of why we ultimately separated the two, right? Like that's why Bahala is called Bahala not stacked, right? Mm-hmm is because we basically were like, hey, Valhalla, you know, we're revamping the ARP right now, so I'm really excited for what that's going to look like. I've seen, you know, it'll, it'll be good. But it's it's like, what we want is like, to deliver amazing art um, and amazing partnerships that really solidify us as like, the, I think, gaming NFT, right? So even outside of the streaming platform, like, screw the streaming platform, whatever. This thing could stand on its own as like, a compared to like, Ape, compared to Doodles, whatever. This could stand on its own as like, wow, like, In such a short period of time, this really, really great team has built this really, really great uh, NFT project, right? So in terms of where we want to go with it, I think we're pretty flexible, right? Like at the end of the day, the other number, the origin of this company was a consumer startup studio. It was for me to build, me and my team were tasked to build amazing consumer products and to find where opportunity was and to kind of build into it. So, you know, when we launched NFT, right, and, you know, you know fingers crossed it's wildly successful you know we'll branch off in the direction that we think makes the most sense for our holders and um you know our, our business in general if that makes sense right like the directive is, is quite simple it's like buying the Valhalla nft is really like all right i trust this team this is like the pass that i get that will get benefits to all these things that this team builds and for us what we're laser focused on is building you know, just great, great products for gamers, right? And so when you think about that, it's like, oh, will we start an esports team? Like maybe, if it makes sense for us, right? Will we start a streaming platform? Definitely, because that's the primary way in which gamers make money today, right? So that's kind of how you think about it, is that like you have this pass and you access all these products that are being built for gamers, right?
0: Yeah, I get you, I get you. I guess as long as you make it clear what people are getting into, then it's fine, right? Because they're like, okay, this is a pass and they're gonna build all these things, right? Because the challenge in the past was like, you know, sometimes you do a certain type of marketing that builds a lot of hype and excitement. And then people are like, well, what am I even buying? I don't know, but it's going to be the next Suzuki. So let me just like throw some money in. Right. And it's like, there's a different time compared to now because everyone's like learning. But yeah, that's, that's why I was just curious to see like where your head was at in terms of communication. Yeah,
1: no, it's tough. Like it's tough because the reality is like, you know, and and a lot of this is similar to fundraising from institutional investors, right? There's a joke sometimes it's like having zero revenue is better than having some revenue because if you have zero revenue, it's like, your imagination can go wild. But the moment you have revenue, people are like, "This, these are the metrics of your business, right? And so it's, it's similar with PFP projects where it's like, wait, if we just don't tell people what we're doing, let's just let their imagination run wild, right? Like, oh my God, these guys are going to be the next blizzard, right? But the moment you're like, we're going to build a game. People are like, "Uh, game? How is it going to work? Like, is it really going to work, right? So it's this really tough thing where, but the, like the hard part is like, these blue chip projects are inevitably going to have to answer the question, which is like, what are you guys doing? Like what, tell me like enough mystery, like enough merch, right? Like what are you guys actually doing? How are you going to build a business? Right. And so for us, it's, you know, we are, we are business builders, right? The last 12 years, we've just been building businesses and selling things that people actually want to pay for. And so for us, it's really just about, Hey, like, you know, in our, in our directive really, you know, to the people who are interested in the Valhalla NFT is, you know, if you buy this, you are trusting the team and you're trusting the team to build these products that we set out to, to build. Right. Um, but at least it is clear.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely is. We're doing this interview right now. So it's, it's quite, anybody can watch it back and be like, okay, he, that's what he said he would do. Right. So that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get you. And then the, the other question I have for you is like, um, so when you sell a PFP, it's almost like a form of fundraising in a sense, right? Not necessarily the same as like institutional fundraising, but then the thing I always think about is like, okay, it's like fundraising, you're selling a collectible, but also you don't have to give up equity as well. So it's like, it's quite an interesting, unique mm-hmm. position because I feel like there's always this confusion of like people think an NFT is like a stock, but it's not. It's definitely not a stock. It's like what, you, like what are your thoughts on that?
1: Let me put it this way. I'm not doing this because I want to raise money from retail, like the average person, right? Because I would much rather raise from an institutional venture capital investor if I just wanted money because I only have to answer to one person, right? And that person has a portfolio. And if I go down, they're like, yeah, whatever, right? Portfolio. For NFTs, it's like, I have to care about every single person Right. And like the reality is that like every single person that mints our NFT, I don't know what their, their income is. Right. Cause there's no like lot It's like, they, they might buy it and it might literally be 50% of their net worth. Right. And that, that's really scary to think about that. That's a lot of responsibility and like, yeah, we can just shrug it off and say, oh no, it's, it's not a security. It's not a stock. So buy at your own risk. Right. But like, I'm a human being, right. I care, I care about every single one of my users, customers, community members, and I know what they care about. Of course they care about the community, but look, they also want this thing to moon. Like, like We can't beat around it, right? People want it to moon. And that's, yeah, and that's, that's, that's really what we think about a lot, right? Which is like, I need to keep the community member's perspective in mind. They want it to moon. I have these rails that I need to work around, right? You can't give them future revenue flows, so on and so forth. But how can I do that? And we wouldn't, I, I don't think we would do an NFT if we didn't reasonably believe that we can fulfill that wish for our community members, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. It
0: does. So like, you know, for your first act, right? Like obviously you, you know how to raise money. You have a group of investors that really believe in you, right? So pre- pretty much you can like raise a bunch of money if you wanted to, right? So now you're selling an NFT, which is also in a form of like you're generating uh, some kind of revenue, right? So is it more like you feel creating the PFP and allowing you know some type of ownership within the community increases the odds of success for just getting more adoption for stack is that like really the play or
1: oh 100 percent, 100 percent. i think it's like winding back to what i saw with the azuki community and by the way this happens in any community i'm, I'm just saying azuki because that was my own personal uh, perspective people were fanatical about it when they felt a sense of ownership and attachment right and i was like i really want to have a community like that i think behind us when we're building And as a business, I think like, this is exciting because let's say we're building the streaming platform. We're not going to beat YouTube or Twitch in the next few years. It's going to, it's going to be a decade long journey, right? Like, and the crazy part is I would love a community of six to 8,000 people behind us, constantly rooting us on every time we get a interesting new streamer. Every time we break a new metric milestone of like millions of hours streamed on the platform, it's like all of that progress will be reflected in our floor price, right? And in secondaries, which will ultimately end up helping us run this company longer, right? Does that make sense? Because if we're the only project out there really making real value and really growing, people are gonna be like, yo, this is dope. Like this PFP is a way to kind of get access to that, you know? Yeah, so that's kind of my perspective on it.
0: Got you, got you. And another thing that I think about a lot is, you know, when you hold a PFP or any any asset, right? Especially in the crypto space, you actually hold a lot of risk as well, because it go up and you go down. And a lot of times, you know, especially during a bear, let's say there's not a lot of news or action going on with that project. So, you know, there's not really much of a benefit for holding it for the long run. It's like some people are thinking like, okay, like I can afford it. I'm not going to buy it now, but I'm going to buy it right before there's going to be some news and then, you know, de-risk myself in a sense, right? So I think a lot of people wonder like, okay, I believe in this project. I really like it, but why should I hold for the long run? Why should I be an early mentor? You know, what's your um, perspective on that?
1: A lot of things. Okay. Um, all right, that's good. First and foremost, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I need to collect my thoughts before I just like, ah, like you know, like all this like stuff on you. So let's talk about it from like the 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 minters perspective, right? I think the most important thing for a lot of people who mint is a financial return. Obviously, people talk a lot about community as the most important thing, but for a lot of these NFTs, like if you really cared about community that much, you should probably just go buy like a membership at your country club, which I would never do; it's so expensive. But like, it's it's a little bit of both. Right, so I want to spend time with like-minded people. Plus, I want a financial return. And so, why should you mint ours? Well, one thing, and this is, may sound bold, but I think our ambition is we want to build, you know, the number one um, NFT project out there, right? And this means above board, aid, above all these guys. And the reason why we're doing this is because I think you know the NFT space is still young. I think we have a very, very long-term vision we have the patience and then we have the capital to do it. And so from a trader perspective, if you're kind of looking to buy our asset, you know, you could enter into the ecosystem at a very, very affordable, I think mid price, right? And when you're thinking about multiples on your invested capital, right? Whether you want to comp it to 10 ETH, 20 ETH, 30 ETH, or crazy amounts like board eight, it's going to be a massive return, right? For you to get in early.
0: I think. Assuming it becomes successful, right?
1: Assuming it becomes successful. Yeah. Assuming it becomes successful, right? But like, but you have to like, at the end of the day, when you're an investor, what do you what do? You do? You really kind of comp it, right? You look at this specific collection mm-hmm. and then you'll comp it to what's in the rest of the market, mm-hmm. right? If you notice how fast our team has shipped, we probably ship new tech features every two weeks, mm-hmm. right? Um, we're very doxed about our team. We're not using contractors. We've proven the ability to kind of hire great people, raise capital, build great products. Mm-hmm. And what we believe is that when you kind of let you know competition run its course, mm-hmm. I think people will suddenly slowly start to realize like, wow, like this team continuously iterates and ships new things constantly, mm-hmm. Um, and we believe in the long grand scheme of an industry, right? Which is like five to ten years until market maturity. Mm-hmm. These guys will win, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of how I think about it, gotcha. right? Okay, yeah. So that's that's like the financial return perspective, yeah. and I guess the other stuff is like. We really do care about community, Mm -hmm. right? If you're someone that is willing to pay, you know, $1,000 or whatever a mint price ends up being, whatever whatever. ends up being, I guess. Then yeah, yeah, I mean, you can kind of be here for the community also. I've um, I've met a ton of great people in the Zuki community. I really, really hope that everyone who's in the Valhalla community is an amazing, kind, welcoming person. Mm Um, so definitely we hope that's a kind of a, a retentive kind of thing as well. Like th- that's a big reason as to why people kind of stay and, and buy our NFT.
0: Got you. Got you. And I mean, I mean, the way I'm looking at it is like, let's say you're building a streaming platform, right. And obviously to get like mass, mass adoption is going to take a while. It's not going to happen overnight. Right. And so for some, right. And that's okay. Right. Um, cause it's like a hard task uh so when somebody like let's say they hold the nft they're gonna have to kind of i mean you already launched your, your, your product right like the streaming platform is already going so they would just have to kind of wait for that to like mature and grow and acquire new users and stuff like that
1: yeah so yeah so we um so a few things um y- yes and no i think like um valhalla it's not just like there's gonna be a team that continues to maintain it and to grow it right I think I was alluding to like some secret features that we're working on that are kind of pretty novel to the minting experience. There's gonna be a whole team that kind of continues to run it, right? And then some of the core engineers are gonna roll off um, and then start working on the streaming platform again. So I don't want you to think of it as like this is the end all be all. The Valhalla NFT is gonna continue to grow, we're gonna continue to experiment, right? We're thinking about, oh, like an esports team, we're thinking about you know, physical lounges, right? Like we're thinking about a lot of different things and we're trying to figure out what makes the most sense um, for the community in general, right? And how do we kind of build a sustainable business over time? The streaming platform is like a massive, massive bet, right? Like YouTube makes a hundred billion dollars a year. If we can take a small percentage of that, right? It's like it's like if OpenC was YouTube, we're like looks rare or like one of the new kind of platforms. So that's it's kind of how we think about it.
0: It's kind of like yes, uh the streaming platform is going to take a while, but at the same time you you guys are dedicating a lot of resources just to make Valhalla itself successful, whether or not, you know, the streaming platform is takes off or not right is that what i'm getting
1: yeah 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 for sure like i think like our 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 like building philosophy is like the the way that we build is like we're always constantly experimenting with bets right like we always constantly take big bets in hopes that we find kind of a new interesting opportunity that can take us really to the next stage of our business Um, and we, we never ever take one big bet and then just if we don't make it we die Right, so like the, the reason why I'm saying this is, yeah, right. It's like that's you, you should never bet the farm when you're operating a business. You should always be like constantly experimenting, constantly learning, constantly making bets. It's a very like Amazonian cultural approach, right? Um, so for us, it's like, hey, we have this NFT, right? We have plenty of runway with it. With even if we don't sell out of the NFT, even if we don't sell a single one right now, we sell like five, six years of, of runway, right, to kind of build different products. And for us, it's like the streaming platform is just one that we think is incredibly exciting, right? The idea of building like. streaming platform or a video platform that could literally be public property of the internet right in the same way email is right right now it's owned by google that's an incredibly exciting value proposition and a really really big dream right um but that's just you know we're gonna try our hardest on it right but if it doesn't work it's fine like you don't know you might you might you might own a part of the next hundred thieves i don't know like you know so we're really kind of always always kind of evaluating and making things that make sense yeah
0: no i hear you okay now i think that's uh i mean that's good for people who are potentially thinking about minting and holding right because transparency is pretty important i feel like um yeah you are you are pretty transparent actually with like your plans which is which is great i really respect that actually
1: yeah for sure i, I like we i think you noticed like you know we have sam tube you know she's always like running around trying to record stuff i think I, I told her it's like yeah like what i really want it's like yeah you're a content creator like you do <laughs> yeah i was like dude stop recording me go record some other people like you know <laughs> but yeah but she's like everyone doesn't really talk you talk so we're gonna record you no but like i think for us um the way I wanted people to really see our team is that we really wanted you to feel invested, not like financially, not just financially, but I wanted you to feel like you were a part of the team, right? Like growing up, you know, I watched friends, right? Like, um, and I would always be like, Oh, like, I feel like I'm a part of their little circle. I kind of get all their inner jokes. Right. And like, you had the generation on YouTube that just followed David Dobrik, right? We're kind of like the office where we want you to know every intricate detail and we're giving you a way to follow along and also be like financially invested in everything that we're doing. Right. Because it helps you kind of like understand, like, what we're doing because at the end of the day like what is building a brand what is building a company it's people falling in love with the process people falling in love with people that are working on it every single day and in crypto it's all about trust you know um everyone was anonymous and i just didn't really understand why i was like no i'm gonna completely dox myself right i'm gonna yeah you know i'll be held accountable for my results right so that's kind of how we you know i hope the level of transparency that we can achieve
0: yeah and i definitely i definitely do respect that i, th- I think it's um much needed in the space and most likely as you do what you're doing other people will see that and they'll You know, you'll get more like, yeah, yeah. more operators, like business operators who have experience coming into the space, where it's not just like, you know, whatever, like it was in the past, right? For sure, for sure. And it's
1: it's 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 like, yeah, it's it'll it'll change over time. I think like I I made a tweet a a while back where I was like, oh, like people are getting more picky choosy about what projects they're minting, and this is like ultimately like really really good, is because like when people get rugged enough, they're just like, no, like I don't want this anymore, and you know, customer standards are going to have to continuously increase. And like, I, I truly believe, like I, I made a tweet. I was like, I truly believe that after we mint out, oh, fingers crossed, I really think it's going to be very difficult. I think for other projects to follow And I don't mean like we're so great. I just mean like, we're trying to up the service of everything that we do, because at the end of the day, like community members and customers and potential minters will vote with their, their dollars and, or their Ethereum, right? And the next time someone wants to kind of follow us, cause like I'll, I'll give you an example, like Azuki, right? They set the the bar so high in terms of art, right? Like b- before Azuki, it was like, yo, let's just get some fiber frogs and like, just draw some pixel things. And they're like, we're good. Right now it's like, they really 10 X the, the existing product. And so like, when we're thinking about it, it's like, wait, how do we 10 X Azuki? And it's like, ah, the art is so good. We can't fight on art. So what can we fight on? Like, what are we really good at? It's like, We're really good at building products, really good at technology. Like, so like, we'll innovate on that. We'll innovate on customer service. Right. And so like the projects that start to follow after, I think the space is just going to continue to evolve. Mint prices are either going to drop or they're just going to deliver deliver these insane, amazing products. Right. And the customers just ultimately win. Right.
0: Yeah. I I agree with that. And that's healthy for the space because it's like, I mean, most, most NFT projects don't really do anything like at all. Right. Like to even, even, even have the conversation about innovating on customer service. Right. Like. Nobody even has a customer service team, right?
1: Yeah, exactly, right? It's, it's, yeah, I, I, I tell Sam this all the time. I'm like, I, I even brought her to like a Michelin star restaurant in NYC. I was like, I want every single person, because like the only thing that technology can't solve is like this idea of like someone cares about me, you know? Like a real human on the other side going like, hey, like how's your day? Like, how'd you do? Right? Like, that's kind of why with our Discord, um, there's this whole grind meta and people just coming in and going, hi, how are you, blah, 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 right? For us, we are like, how do we up the level of our service where, like, any new, I think, uh, uh, you know, so we have the, the EA program, early, early Access. Like, how can we allow every single new person to be assigned, like, a community member mod who literally reaches out to you the moment that you get into our program, right? To be like, hey, Patrick, welcome. You know, if you have any questions, I want you to know, you can reach me on Discord anytime. Uh, this is your signed guy. Or girl, right? It's like unheard of, but I would feel so amazing if someone did that to me. You know,
0: true, true. But it, yeah, it's it, it's a great experience, right? But it's it's hard to um for like an indie project, for example, it's hard to get the resources to like do that. So I oh yeah 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 totally. So I understand like. Cause like, you guys are like VC backed and everything. So it's like, you know, you guys can do that. And that's, that's quite a big thing. Totally.
1: Yeah, totally. No, I, I, I totally get it. Which is why I'm saying like, that's the function of competition, right? Which is like really, really difficult is that when it's really early in a space, you can bootstrap something and you can kind of like make a bajillion dollars. Right. But as competition kind of comes in more well-funded companies come in, more experienced operators come in, they just like really erode all the margin. They make everything perfect. Right. So it becomes really, really difficult. Right. And this isn't to say like, Hey, we're here to box out. The indie person, right? We're, we're not saying that, but what we're saying is that the customer is ultimately winning because they're just getting better and better stuff for the same exact price.
0: Yeah, that's true. And you know, it's it's uh it's harder for the indie creator, right? In general, right? Which every market is like that. But at the end of the day, it's like the consumer. It's for the customers. It's to create the best experience possible, right? And whoever's the best should win. That's usually how it should go, right? So I, I'm totally with you there, and yeah, and I respect the fact that you're you're trying to like improve a lot of the factors that uh, a lot of the areas that need to be improved in the NFT space for sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, as we go ahead and wrap up our interview, is there any final words you would like to um, leave with our Parallax uh, listeners today?
1: <laughs> final words. Um, I mean, I guess if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening to what I have to say. I mean, I think that's really it. I, I'm just like, super thankful people are willing to listen to kind of what we have to say and what we're building you know, all this stuff I know is a, a crapshoot, right? Like no one can really promise you that they can deliver it. But I think what I can promise you is that my team and I are, are going to do our best, right? Using our of experience building consumer products, um, you know, we're going to learn as quickly as we can about Web3. We're going to build the best products and we're going to be around you know, we're gunning for number one. And I think if that's really, really interesting to you, you know, feel free to DM me, um, join our discord. I don't know. Yeah. My DMs are always open actually. So as long as you're not trying to collab and like spam me for like whitelist giveaways, I will always respond. So yeah.
0: All right. Sounds good. Well, Alex, thanks again for coming on and, um, for everyone listening, I'll see you guys in the next one.